0: Hey, we want to thank you for listening today to a sermon from Edwards Lake Church, and we hope that you recognize the message of God as we open his word together and examine his incredible life-changing teaching. We pray that this message will challenge you, motivate you, or touch you in some way. Let's open the Bible together. I had never heard that song in my life but it sounds like the kind of song you'd sing at the close of service, so it made me wonder if I should get up and preach or not. So, uh, but, alas, here I am, so let's jump on in. Uh, we're going to continue on in our Mark Your Bible series, so hopefully you saw that on the back of the bulletin this morning. You brought your Bible that you're marking through, and if not, all of the verses are printed on the back of the bulletin, so you'll have them to take home with you and be able to use them at home Uh, Thank you for being here. Uh, We have a little bit of a smaller crowd than we did this morning, but we have a a joyful crowd. And that is always a good thing uh, to be able to join together with you. We're going to talk this evening about the speech of a Christian, how we as Christians should be using our mouths, uh, the type of words that should be coming out of our mouths, and of course, what we're going to study tonight is not exhaustive, there are plenty of other things that we could dig into. These are uh, what I think are probably the more obvious ones and the ones that you would probably come across if you were talking with someone about the way uh, about their speech. If somebody came to you and said, "Hey, you talk different than everybody else. You you don't use the same words everybody else uses. You tend to uh, be more positive than other people, why is that? Why do, you, why do you talk and communicate differently than everyone else does? These are some verses you can turn to in order to point out the scriptural mandate and the commandments that God has for us that explain why we talk the way we do and hopefully why we talk the way that we do because uh, I hope we as Christians are doing the very things that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, on your table of contents, you've already have this verse pointed out as your starting verse. So let's go ahead and start with Matthew chapter 12 and verse 37. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 37 says, For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Well, that's just simple. Uh, the, the whole point of that verse and pointing that verse out to people is to make the point that words are important. Words are important to God, they are important to us. We recognize that the words we choose to use, the ways we choose to communicate, uh, it matters. It matters to God, it matters to us, it should matter to other people. And so the main point of this passage is just to show we care about the way we talk. And that's why we are cautious, we are careful, we are considerate, we are thoughtful about the way we communicate with others. Does that make sense? Simple enough? Now again, the difficulty is having that conversation with someone if you aren't cautious or careful or intentional about the way that you speak. Uh, We should be. This is very much a principle. Our words play a role in our judgment something I say or even something I choose not to say can be used in condemnation of me whenever I stand before God one day Uh, and it's like the uh, the you know the the rights that are read to a criminal when or an accused person whenever they're arrested you have the right to remain silent any words you say can be used against you in a court of law, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Uh, We have, uh, God has the right to hold us accountable for any words we choose to say, and I would even argue for any words we choose not to say. Our words matter. And if that's unclear to somebody, our next passage explains why. Luke chapter 6, verse 45 A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. You want to know why you say the things you say? Well, the things you say reflect the very heart you have inside of you. So if you find yourself struggling with evil things coming out of your mouth, the problem is not just controlling what comes out of your mouth, but probably also controlling what goes into your heart. They go hand in hand. And so you have to be very cautious. My words, my communication, the way that I talk to other people is a direct reflection of what is actually in my heart. If I find myself being a harsh judgmental person in the way that I talk, what does that mean about my heart? I am deep down a harsh and judgmental person. If I don't or people don't like what comes out of my mouth, there might be a heart issue going on. If instead I'm the kind of person that is kind and compassionate and finds good, positive things to say, that means, more than likely, my heart is full of good, positive things. And so as my heart overflows, that is what comes out of my mouth. That, uh, that it's just a good litmus test for us. The reason why I believe God holds us in judgment for the things that come out of our mouth is because what comes out of our mouth is a direct reflection of what is actually in our hearts. And what are we going to be judged on more than anything other than what is in our hearts? Uh, it's not hard for us to understand. Uh, not always hard for, uh, easy to obey, but it, it's not hard to understand. James chapter 3 has a long passage of scripture that I know we're familiar with. And uh, it, it, it's really small on the screen. So you might as well go ahead and open your Bibles to James chapter 3. James chapter three. The context here is is particularly in reference to teachers. Uh, Verse one talks about not many of us should become teachers because we know we will incur a stricter judgment. So the context here is teachers. But what we learn from Hebrews and other passages of scriptures is that all of us Christians, in some way or another, are teachers. Uh, and, and so I think the passage has some direct application to each one of us. Let's read it, verse 2 down through verse 12. For we, uh, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature Able also to control the whole body. Now if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though, the tongue is a small part of the body. It boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. And the tongue is a fire the tongue a world of unrighteousness is placed among our members it stains the whole body sets the course of life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell every kind of animal birds reptiles and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind but no one can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison With the tongue we bless our Lord, our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessings and cursings coming out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water so here we've got several lessons regarding the tongue one is the first one it's hard to control notice it didn't say impossible it said hard and that whole concept of the tongue being tamed i, I think the point is you can never let your guard down you, know, you can tame a dog and eventually that dog will be tame enough that you can let your guard down around the dog. You don't have to worry that the dog is going to turn and bite you. The dog is going to rebel against you because the dog has been tamed. Your tongue can't do that. Your tongue is always capable of biting. Your tongue is always capable of making, uh, producing wrong words. And so we have to be very cautious with our tongue. It should be a constant and continual effort to keep your tongue under control. The reason for that is that the tongue is very powerful. Your words, what comes out of your mouth is extremely effective and is extremely powerful. The word we choose in our communication with other people can having a a dramatic effect on their lives. And I think sometimes we're of the opinion that, you know, nobody really cares what our opinion is, nobody really cares what we have to say, nobody really is listening anyway, so we can say whatever we want, and there's not really any uh, repercussions from that. Not according to James. Uh, Your tongue is like a small flame that can start great wildfires that blaze through acres or miles of forest. That's what your tongue is. Your tongue is like that tiny little rudder that can direct the, the, the direction of a mighty large ship. Your tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth that's used to, con- to control the majestic animal. When you see your tongue for the effective tool that it is, the amount of, of good that it can do, and the amount of evil that it can do, you learn to be very careful with it. You learn to think about what you're going to say before you're going to say it. <clears throat> this also applies to any sort of communication I, I, I want to make sure that I make that clear before we move too much further this applies to what you type on social media this applies to text and emails that you might send I have learned many times through making many mistakes that anything I post on social media is better posted tomorrow you know, there's no day time like today right when it comes to communicating on the worldwide internet, there's no time like tomorrow. That, that's the better thing. Just wait on what you're gonna say, and if it's still important tomorrow, then post it and post it carefully. But what we typically do is we just lash back, or we just type without thinking, or talk without thinking. And we do a lot of damage, a lot of damage to the cause of Christ, to the reputation of God's kingdom, and to our own reputations when we do that. Another lesson you have in this particular passage of scripture is that realistically, your mouth cannot really be used for good and evil. Let me tell you what I think it means. That, that does not mean that I can't choose to say good things on some occasion and bad things on other occasions. That, that's not what it's saying, and the reason I know that's not what it's saying is because we all know that's not true. We all know somebody who, who is great at saying the right thing at, at the right time but then talking behind your back later, right? We, we've all met people like that. Here's what I think it's saying. That ultimately a mouth that speaks good and bad will only be considered bad. It's not that they can't sometimes say good, but when we know they speak bad, we know that this is not a good mouth. This is not a good heart. This is not somebody, uh, how many of you have ever had the thought, well, if they're telling me that about them, I wonder what they're telling them about me. Have you ever had that thought about somebody? You know, they act like they're your best friend, and they'd never say anything bad about you. But you know, the way they use their mouth for ill-gotten gains, for gossip, whatever it is they're using their mouth for, that negative speech about somebody else you know that they're using negative speech about you to somebody else and what you end up determining is that's a bad mouth that is a mouth that speaks evil even though it will on occasion speak good we are going to recognize it is an evil spout of evil things and so the mouth gets known for either doing good all the time or doing bad. Those are your choices. And James is telling us we have to be those who are careful and cautious in controlling of our tongue so that we will become known as those who speak good, not those who speak evil. All well, that makes sense? Everybody with me so far? Everybody staying up on the underlining and, uh, and, and the marking and all that sort of stuff. I can keep rambling all day long, all night long, if that's what you need me to do. I see people telling me to move on. So, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. You know, it's funny, I was, I was looking at this earlier after I'd already put it on the, on the screen back there and realized I left out probably the most important verse, which is verse 29 of this section. So we're really going to read 25 down through 32, but I want to focus in on different lessons from this passage of Scripture. 25 down through 32, Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth. Each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let no thief or let the thief no longer steal, instead he is to do honest work with his hands, so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. Do not grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. Okay. A lot of lessons in this short little passage of Scripture about how we are supposed to be using our tongue. The first one I think here that's probably most obvious is don't lie, but conversely, speak truth. Don't lie, speak truth. That's a command. That's not a don't lie in certain circumstances, that's not a don't lie. Uh, as long as, you know, no, no selfish lying, but you're allowed to do lying for other purposes. That, that's not really the point here. The point here is be a truth speaker. Be someone who speaks the truth. Be someone who's known for speaking the truth. Because notice it talked about speak the truth each one to his neighbor. So be somebody who is truthful and truthful by reputation. You're known for being someone who tells the truth. That that has to be the way we live. That's a term that we often use, integrity. Be known as somebody with integrity. Somebody who's going to say the right thing because it's the right thing to say. Not because you think you're going to be found out, not because you think you're going to uh, you know, uh, it, it, in this situation, it's probably best, but in another situation, it, you can go a different direction. Then just speak truth. It's that simple. And, and I, 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 I was told as a kid, speaking the truth matters, is, or speaking the truth is easier because you don't have to keep up with the lies. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Just be somebody who tells the truth all the time. You don't got to worry about what did you say? How did you say it? Who, you know, keep track of who you said what to. Just speak the truth as well as you know to speak it. And just be that kind of person. The next piece here is, is don't be angry. Well, it says be angry and do not sin. Yes, but then it says don't let the sun go down on your anger which means deal with your anger quickly and then it goes on down in verse 31 put away anger and wrath shouting and slander so put that kind of thing away from you and so I do think there's a principle here of just don't be angry and if you are angry deal with it quickly so that you don't have to be angry And the reason you don't want to be angry is because anger is one of those emotions that gives the devil an opportunity to take advantage of us and to cause us to make foolish and emotional decisions. So if you just stop being angry, you stop giving the devil opportunities. I don't think any of us would argue that, that that's not a good thing to do. So quit being angry. Quit acting in anger. Quit Speaking in anger. The next one, the part that I left out is verse 29. No foul language should come from your mouth. I've had a lot of debates with a lot of people over the years. I'm kind of looking at the clock to see how long I have to go down this tangent. But uh, I've had a lot of debates with a lot of people over the years about foul language. About cussing and cursing, which yes, are two different things. Uh, and, and even uh, euphemisms and, and by words, using words as substitutionary words for cuss words, and are those wrong, and, and, uh, and, and all of these types of uh, of, of ideas. And, and the question that often gets presented to me is this. Adam, what words can we not say? Okay. How many of you have ever had that proposed to you, that question? Yeah, generally by a kid, right? Generally, it's just, they want to know what's the list of the no-no words, and then that way I can say everything else, right? That, I mean, that's the idea. What can I get away with without getting in trouble? Let me make this verse as simple as possible. It says, let no foul language come from your mouth. What is foul language? Oftentimes, that is, you, know, you get into an argument of, that's well, those are culturally decided, and what words are bad here aren't bad in, in Britain, and what words are bad in Britain we don't consider bad here, and so now the Bible is culturally defined as to how to obey this command. It's really not, because of the second part of the verse. Okay, notice in all of these statements here in Ephesians chapter 4, there is the don't do but instead formula, right? Don't lie, but instead speak the truth. Don't be angry, but instead put away anger. Here it's don't use foul language, but instead use words that are good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. So here's my question whenever I get proposed to me, what's the list of don'ts and the list of okays? Those lists don't exist. The commandment is, say what is edifying. Say what is good. Say what is a gift to the hearer. Say what builds them up. Do I need to know a list of what words I can't say if my goal every time I open my mouth is to build someone up? No, I don't. It's not about a list of what you can't so that you can decide what you can. Really, it works the opposite. Here's what you can do. Everything else is wrong. Isn't that right? And so I, you know, I've, I've had people get into discussions with me, adults on this side of the argument of, well, what about sarcasm and about being insulting to people as a joke, as a way of, of humor and those types of things? The same answer applies. Is what you're saying to that person going to be perceived by them and by those who hear as encouraging and building up. For some people, sarcasm is great. For some people, it's hurtful. And you've got to know the person that you're talking to well enough to be able to make a decision about what will be building up and what will be destructive. That's the rule. Build people up. And let me tell you, when you become known as the person at work or the person at school or the person uh, in, in your class or the person in your neighborhood who is always building people up, that doesn't mean you're always spouting scripture, although I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it means you're always looking for a way in which you can cause that listener, the person you're talking to, to feel better. That might be through humor. It might be through compliments. It might be through just having something positive to say about the world. I don't know what that looks like in every scenario. But if your goal is to build them up, you're not going to be concerned about what the list of words that's going to tear people down. Get what I'm saying? Instead of focusing on the don'ts, it's a lot easier to just focus on the do's. And that's what you have here in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 32, in summary, he says, Be kind, be compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God forgave you in Christ. It's all about building others up. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Colossians 4 Verse six, let your speech always be gracious. Notice that always. Always be gracious. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how you should answer each person. I love that. I love it particularly that image of seasoned with salt. Okay? Uh, my wife is an excellent cook. I love her cooking. I will even go on record as saying it's better than my mom's cooking. And men aren't supposed. She's a fantastic cook. I have learned through the years, I never have to touch the salt shaker or the pepper shaker on our table. Because somehow my wife always gets the food on my plate exactly how I like it. I don't know how she does it. But she does. Never it is handed to me, it is prepared to perfection for me. That's the way our speech. Not kind of it's okay, it's good. It could be better. But your speech is to be so gracious, so kind, so compassionate, so forgiving, so that when people hear what you have to say, it is honestly as if they are receiving a perfect dish. It it couldn't be better. It's like you perfectly seasoned these words for their ears. that takes a lot of thought and a lot of practice and a lot of effort to try to make your word so carefully crafted for the benefit of other people. But if you do that, wisely, and if you do that, can you imagine what a difference that makes in your relationship with people on a day-to-day basis? That they realize that's the kind of speech they're going to get from you. You are the person they're going to want to come talk to. So we need to have speech that is filled with grace and used in a way that is appropriate for the person hearing. James chapter 1 verse 19, we're familiar with this passage. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. That idea of swift to hear, slow to speak. Is that us? Because I'll be honest, me growing up, I was the exact opposite of that. Rarely did I listen, and most often was I talking, and I was talking to such a degree that nobody else could get a word in. That's not appropriate for Christians. Christians are to be listeners, listeners. That's what we should be, we should be known for our ears more than we are known for our mouths. And I find that not to be true over the years. We love to teach people what they believe wrong. Have you found that to be true? We love to be the teachers, we love to be the speakers, we love to be the one delivering the message. And rarely do we like to be the ones listening. Here's the problem with that. I have learned over the years as I've done evangelism and I've talked to people from various denominational backgrounds, is that more often than not, I'm not as far off from this person and their understanding of the truth as I think I am more often than not, it's that they've defined words differently than I have. And that if I will listen long enough to the way that they're using their words, I will find out, hey, if I just reword the way I say this, this particular way, they will not only understand what I'm saying, but they will be able to realize that that's not exactly what the Bible teaches, and then I can show them what the Bible teaches. If what I do instead of go, whoa, well, whoa, well, no, no, you're using that word wrong and, 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 and you're saying that wrong, and here's what the Bible says. Here, here, you just need to erase everything you think, and here's what the Bible says. Are they going to listen? That's what we do. That's what we do often. And it's not just in, in evangelism, but we do that in relationships too. Well, we are, We're quick to jump in with what they understand wrong, what they have wrong, what they aren't doing right. And truth is, we probably need to sit back and listen a little longer. I, I've, I've told y'all the story, I think, before of how a banana saved my relationship with my dad. I told y'all that. It, it's an incredible tool, a banana. Whenever he needed to talk to me, and he knew he had a bad habit of just jumping over whatever I said and interrupting me and telling me what I'm supposed to think instead of listening. And he and got the advice, I think, from Sewell Hall. of, Ricky, you need to take a banana in the room with you and eat that banana slow, but keep your mouth full so that you're not talking but listening. And by the time you get done eating the banana, it'll be time to talk. All he was teaching my dad, and all my dad was teaching me in doing that, is this verse. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God, who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine as lights. As stars in the world. Probably the hardest command that we'll look at tonight. Because this principle, this command, is so countercultural to the way that we live in our society. We are taught to complain about everything. And God tells us to stop. Stop complaining. You know what I think is the worst thing about complaining? Here I go, complaining about complaining. It, it, it's this. When we complain, what we're doing honestly is telling God what you've done for us is not enough. That's really what we're doing. In that, we see that very clearly with the children of Israel, don't we? We watched the way God rescued them out of Egypt, pulled them out of slavery, provided food for them every day of the week uh, except for Sabbath, gave them manna to eat and quail and provided them water, made it to where their shoes would not even wear out as they traveled Through their punishment of the 40 years of wandering, he was taking them to a promised land that flowed with milk and honey. It was a rich and extravagant land. He was giving them everything. And they complained every step of the way they didn't like the food they didn't like the water they didn't like the quail they didn't like having to walk they didn't like that Moses was their leader they complained about everything and we look at them and go shameful oh what rotten and stubborn people what do you enjoy in your life that God didn't provide for you Anything? Has God given you manna to eat in the form of cereal or bread or pork chops or whatever it is you love to eat? Has God given you plenty to drink, clothes to wear, shelter over your heads, cars for transportation, jobs to get, to enjoy, what is it that you have in your life that isn't there because of God? So what is it we're complaining about? How is our complaining any different than the Israelites complaining? And God makes it so clear here. Paul to the Philippians, if we will stop complaining, we will be stars in this dark Twisted, perverted, crooked world. Because this world is made of complainers, but God's kingdom is not. And so, if we're a part of God's kingdom, we will stop complaining. We will stop arguing. We will stop disputing. We'll stop being upset about everything and start trusting in a God who provides. First Peter chapter 4, verse 11. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Speak as if God is speaking through you. Speak God's words. I remember as a kid, we had our great Aunt Mandy who lived with us, my great Aunt Mandy. Uh, she, she was in her 80s when she lived with us when we lived in South Carolina. She was a, a woman who grew up poor, had gotten her beautician's license and spent a year, uh, her, her career uh, styling women's hair. Taught my mom to do the same thing. My mom ended up getting her beautician's license because she grew up in a, a beauty shop with my Aunt Mandy who, who basically raised my mom. Aunt Mandy couldn't read until she was in her 20s because she had to drop out of school as was common back in those days uh, in order to help support the family being one of the older children. But she taught herself to read with the Bible. She taught herself to read because she wanted to be able to read the Bible. And then, that was essentially the only thing she ever read. That's it. She read her Bible. She read it every day. I remember looking at the Bible and being astonished that Bibles came with print that large. (laughs) It was humongous. And I remember my Aunt Mandy, whenever she would talk, even as she was suffering with Alzheimer's later in her life When she spoke it was like listening to the Bible Because she spoke as the Bible spoke She didn't necessarily use these and thou that, That's not what I mean by that I mean she had a Bible scripture to quote In almost every part of her conversation with people And with me she was constantly bringing her mind to the scriptures. And the scriptures were constantly coming out of her mouth. I miss that. because I don't, I don't hear that much anymore. I, I don't know if you do, and I don't know if you have somebody in your life who's like that, but even if you do, it's not common, is it? It's not something we hear a lot what better way is there to speak than than to be able to take a, a piece of scripture and fit it into what you're saying even if you're talking with a coworker and they go hey i like the way you you said that and you go it came straight out of the bible that was from ephesians 4 verse 29 and you're able to bring people's minds to the bible and they're able to see man this man this woman they 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 really don't just know their Bible, but they're constantly recalling their Bible. I can tell that the Bible, the scriptures are constantly on their minds. You know, when they got Bible questions, who are they going to go to? You. And not because you just said a kind thing to them one day, but because you have proven to them that you are adept with the word of God. A lot of that comes back to what we said at the beginning, which was if your mouth speaks from that which fills your heart. The way to get your mouth to start speaking the word of God more is to fill your heart with the word of God. So that when you're living through life and a situation arises or you're in the middle of a conversation, you're trying to think of something good to say, scripture pops into your head. And then you've got the courage to use those scriptures in your conversation. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16. I think this has probably been marked in like eight of our routes or little tracks so far. I know. I, I just, you might as well go ahead and qualify this as my single favorite verse in all scripture. I, I just love the power of this message. Let your light so shine before men. Let it shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That begins with our words. You want people to know that you represent God, that you are an ambassador for God, that you have a message of reconciliation, that you are saved, that you belong to your Lord Jesus Christ. You want people to know that from their interactions with you. That begins with your words. there's a lot of people who have decided not to say cuss words. A lot of people. I find that less and less true. But I remember growing up, back when I said some of those words I shouldn't have said, and I remember being reprimanded by a non-Christian that don't say those kind of words around ladies. Didn't that used to be a, a standard? Now that's not so much the standard anymore. Ladies are using them as much as anybody else, but there used to be a, a that used to be a sign of respect that you don't say those words around ladies. And so even those who didn't belong to Christ recognized that there was a standard of speech that you shouldn't use certain words in certain situations. Just because you don't cuss doesn't mean people are going to recognize that you belong to Jesus. And just because you, you have a few positive things to say, there are positive non-Christians. I read a lot of leadership and, and uh, those types of books, and, and a lot of them are just overflowing with positive affirmations, and get out there and think positively, and, and find the good in every situation. I read a statement this morning by a, a non-Christian as far as I know, a Navy SEAL, somebody who probably grew up... Cussing like a sailor because he was a Navy <laughs> SEALs. He literally was a sailor. And, uh, you know, he, I, I'm sure he, he uses words we would never use. But what was his message that I read this morning? Be positive. Be positive. Find the good in every situation. There are plenty of people in our world who do that. How, how is it that if you were to apply the principles we're talking about today about Let your speech be with grace. Don't complain. Don't argue. Don't use foul language. All of these principles we've talked about today, how is it that they're going to know that you're any different than some unbeliever who follows those same basic principles? It's because you've been talking about your God. It begins with your words. The way people are going to know that your life is a... Of God's your mouth is speaking of God's glory, and that becomes an important part of this. First Peter 3 15 through 16, last verse for this evening says, so But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience that when you are accused, Those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. We should be using our mouths to defend what we believe. And those occasions will arise. And we need to be prepared for them. There's a lot we can be doing with our mouths. That would bring great honor to God. It would bring glory to him. It would cause a great effect in our lives and the relationships that we have with people that would cause them, when they start looking for answers, to come to you for those answers. And honestly, I think the number one first thing that's really gonna set you apart is the way that you talk. So we need to be those who use our speech for the glory of God. Not just by not saying the wrong things probably a good start. Uh, I, I, I don't know that anybody in here has an issue with foul language, but I would imagine many of us in here have an issue with complaining. But start using your mouth for the positive things. Just not just avoid spouting out bitter water, but to start spouting out fresh water, the good stuff by letting your heart overflow with the love of God. I, that's a, I, I'll be honest. I would, would expect if I were to say, if anybody's guilty of any of these things, please come forward and we'll stand and sing this song. If I were to say that, I would expect every single one of us to probably leave their seat, right? Isn't this something we've all can do better at? Absolutely. So instead of everybody coming forward, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a commitment to yourself that this week you're going to work on something that we talked about tonight. It might be the complaining issue. It might be being more intentional about giving grace with your words. It might be talking about Jesus more. It might be quoting scripture in day-to-day conversation more. I don't don't know which one you're going to choose, but choose one of them and work on applying it this week And then maybe once you get that into your habits, you choose another one and start applying it into your habits. But less work to change the way we talk so that we might bring glory to God and people see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. All of that means nothing if you're not a child of God in the first place. So if you're not a child of God, we want to give you an opportunity to become one, to To be baptized into Christ. To have your sins washed away so that you can be clean and holy before your God. Uh, But for most of us who have been baptized into Christ, we still have improvements to be made, right? So let's work on being more of what God has called us to be. If you need the invitation to get your life right in some way, confess the sin, be baptized into Christ. Uh, Whatever your need is, we want to help you. Please come forward and let us know what we can do as we stand and sing this song. Thanks for listening and studying God's Word with us. We want to help you draw closer to Jesus as your Lord. If you feel some need as a result of today's message, whether that be a need to seek God's salvation or you are just in the need of prayers, please reach out to us. You can find out more about us, including contact information at edwardslakechurch.org. If you want to continue to open God's Word with us, Please check out other sermons on our podcast or come visit with us at Edwards Lake Church anytime you can. Thanks again, and we pray God's blessings for you.